Welcome to Light the Fight podcast. We're recovering from our event from last Thursday night. Uh, good recovery, though. Good recovery. Yeah, we haven't talked about the whole vulnerability hangover, but not going to lie, even Eric was like, I feel like you're kind of coming down. <laughs> yeah, so tune in to one of our later episodes about the vulnerability hangover. Um, we'll, we'll talk all about that. But uh, no, Thursday night, uh, if you hadn't heard, um, Heidi and I were honored enough to do our second, which is now turned an annual thing for the city of Harriman, sponsored by Unified Fire Department, um, called uh, How to Be a First Responder Instead of a First Overreactor. Okay. Uh, for parents just ha- trying to have better conversation, better communication, overall better connection with teenagers, youth, and loved ones in their life, that can also be life-saving and um, be just you know the type of support that can help people get through difficult times, but also to have relationships that you can enjoy just life to, to the utmost. Well, and I think that like for me, as I had, you, you know, in the last couple of years, a lot of people saying to me, you know, this is, something's come up in our relationship. What do I do? And, and to me, I'm like, somebody asked me a question like that. And first of all, I want, I want to get, I want to help them. I, I want to, I wish I had something awesome to tell them. But I kind of get that like deer in the headlights, like um, I could just, if I could just insert, download my brain and then just insert it into your hard drive and upload it. Like, because I have learned a lot of stuff. The great thing about this event and what what we talk about, well, what you talk about (laughs) is such an important tool and, and it's just kind of foundational for not just a situation where is the most scary, which would be maybe a suicidal person that you were dealing with, but even just the regular interactions that you have, you know, coming in late, crashing the car, um, when you get that phone call from the high school, where were you, you know, where were you doing eighth period? Well, I was there. No, you weren't, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Um, that that's what i love about that um topic is that every parent who was there and we had a full room um left with a hammer it i shouldn't say hammer a tool (laughs) like (laughs) technically a hammer is a tool so you may proceed oh i I mean that and and you know david you know that i've told you this before like i would love for this podcast to just be um, that gathering of tools that you kind of, as parents, you kind of pack that in your tool bag and practice them, use them to really build and improve the relationships. And I I know that's kind of a, a lame analogy, but really that's what parents need. That's what I need. Um, and it's not, it's the, it happens to also not just be for parents and teens. It also could work great coworkers, parents and sibling. You know your siblings, your spouses, your friends, whatever. Um, and it gives you great information to help your kid when they're having struggles with their friends or you know whatever. So it's powerful information. Well, and um, for those people who weren't able to attend the event, which is most people that are listening to our bo- podcast, because uh, there's only, you know, we're only able to 
fit just a little under 300 people there. So um, thanks for everybody that came out. But for those people who weren't able to come, we're going to talk about what we discussed at the event. And for those people who did come, we're going to give you a little, um, a little reminder uh, about the information. Um, one, because it's important. And two, because our recording uh, didn't go according to plan. <laughs> so for all of those people out there that Heidi or myself personally promised that we will record the event, you'll be able to listen to the whole entire thing. Um, I won't say we lied, but we did not give you the information the way we predicted it was going to go down. So we don't it have... It sort of went longish. Well, yeah, it went longish, and then the audio stuff, and then one of the mics, the lapel mics weren't working there. So um, we might, you know, give like little clips at some point, but I think it'd be best just to talk a little bit about it. And then um, if you've listened to any of our other episodes, um, I make fun of this, but it's a very real thing. Heidi's hope of like wanting to give parents tools is not a hope. It's called Light the Fight. We're actually doing That's it. That's right. right? <laughs> so happening. I hope this podcast will be this. I'm like, Heidi, we've already done a couple episodes now. Like it's already doing it. Okay. Um, but uh, when we're talking about tools, I find that myself and other people that I've counseled throughout the years, the best way we learn is through recent experiences. So something's got to come up. We have to have a problem that we need a solution for to create solutions. And sometimes you have to completely screw it up, right? Yep. <laughs> like What's, failure is the best teacher. <laughs> and necessity is the mother of all inventions. Yes. Right? So if you're a parent out there and you have a necessity of having ha, needing now or yesterday how to deal with a situation with your teenager, um, we're asking Heidi to tap into the universe. And unfortunately, and fortunately for everyone, unfortunately for her, fortunately for you guys, she's never in a shortage of issues in her life <laughs> that we can talk about. And all joking aside, True. something happened just last night that goes right along with what we talked about in the event. So I'm going to give you a brief description of what we talked about in the event. And then Heidi is going to actually tell you how she put it to practice in a very scary way just last night. This is hot off the press. In fact, this is going to be part you know, a coaching session for Heidi because we haven't even really had a chance to talk about this a lot. Um, so back to the event. Um, when you come to one of our events in the future, because we will be having them in other cities and other locations, uh, if you would like us to do a first responder event, uh, please contact us um, through our website, elevatepodcasting.com, just the word elevate, podcasting, ing.com, and uh, leave us a message there. And you can also leave us questions that you'd like us to answer on the podcast and you can also request if you'd like us to come out and speak and what we're going to be talking about when we come out and speak is this information I'm about to share with you what Heidi and I figured out a long time ago um, when when we were working together is that freaking out comes really easy uh, responding coming up with a plan before you're in a problematic situation with your kids or your family that's the hard part. It's hard to plan ahead for these things. Um, some people think of planning ahead for catastrophes or problems with your family. It could require food storage, putting some money aside, uh, making sure the fire, fire detectors, everything's, you know, to code, which those are all things to plan for your family safety. Unknowingly, there's a lot of things that we can plan to keep our family safe ahead of time um, with regards to how our body language is, how we communicate how we respond to certain situations. And so that's what we decided to, to share with everyone at our first responder event. And basically it comes down to, if you want to be a first responder instead of a first overreactor, 
you're going to have to acknowledge or have to know something and then practice this thing. So the one thing that you have to know is that horse, historically humans um, have not really done well as they hit adolescent into adulthood if they're being questioned continuously by other humans. And the reason that is, uh, especially today in, in the very, um, we're all very aware of shame. And if you're not aware of what that is, listen to our earlier podcast about it. But a lot more people are aware that they, and one of the buzzwords we talk about is being triggered. No, activate. Remember? I said a lot of the word, okay, we're calling activated, but people are referring okay, to it as trigger. Okay. Okay. We're, we're, we're trying elevated. to switch it up. We're, we're elevating the terminology. <laughs> we're just trying to use something new. Triggered, activated. Um, so one thing that we didn't realize that we did historically as people is we used a lot of shame, insulting, belittling to motivate as a parenting tool. Um, oddly enough, it, it's never been a highly effective tool. And in fact, in most cases, it can be very harmful. But because it's what our parents did and their parents did before them, um, we just kind of adopted that. Most people, when they remember their childhood, they would make mental notes saying, yeah, when I'm an adult, make sure to never do this to my kids. Unfortunately, after we've been conditioned over time, it's, it's drilled into us so much we react in a way very similar to our parents at times. Or we say we're going to be so different than our parents. If our parents are really shameful and really hard A's on us, then we're going to be super passive. We're going to let our kids walk all over us. We're going to drink alcohol with them, smoke weed with them. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, unfortunately, some people do do that um, to try to get that connection. Problem is, is being the authoritarian parent doesn't work and being the passive parent doesn't work either for long-term success for your kids. And that's my experience. That's what research is, is told us. Um, more in the middle of the authoritative, which is the person who's an authority, but is a person who knows how to communicate and how to connect. is reasonable. You can talk to him. You can negotiate. You can have a real relationship with this person. So in bullet points, here's what we did. We broke it down for you. People don't like to be questioned for some basic reasons. It starts out when we're really young, our whole entire life, when we're uh, criticized by our parents. Let's just focus on parents. Um, the criticism usually comes in the form of a question. Why didn't you take out the trash? How many times do I have to tell you? What happened? Why did you do this? What's wrong? Or some people use questioning statements. A questioning statement is a very, uh, well, I guess no matter what I do, everybody's going to treat me like crap. Guess I could buy an Xbox and new clothes for everyone and no matter what I do, no one's going to love me. So it's a statement or I'm not good enough or our family's not good enough. Why don't you go live with someone else? I'm <laughs> winking right now. We're not doing video. I'm winking at Heidi right now, one of our past conversations. Um, so there's a lot of statements that we can make that are very questioning statements. It's questioning someone's loyalty. It's questioning someone's intentions. And it's definitely questioning you know, whether they're good enough or not. But these self-doubt, these criticism, this form of shame parenting always comes in some realm of questioning, either direct questions or questioning statements that, that challenges the person's loyalty or love for you. Now, I explain, I break that down into a science of how that works. I'm not gonna go into the detail right now because I may say that for a full episode and also um, that, that, that's a complex one, even though it's very simple. But the counteractor, the other side of that coin is when we're young, we learn quite often that usually when someone is giving us a compliment or they're giving some helpful information, they come in very short, direct statements. It could sound something like this. 
hey, don't forget your backpack. Oh my goodness. All the homework I worked in late last night, I would have forgot it. I would have been mad. I would have upset. No lunch. Thanks, mom. You're just telling your kid, don't forget your backpack. Good information. A compliment. I'm proud of you. You're smart. You're intelligent. You're beautiful. Great You've job. got this. Great job. All those in statements as well. And you notice they're very short and direct, right? They're not like statements, the questioning statements. So it's like they're not open-ended like, well, I guess I'll just keep on working hard and slaving over here for you and no one's going to ever respect me, <laughs> right? So questions usually are associated in our brain as a habit that's been formed ever since we were little. Good information, compliments, some sort of reassurance and some sort of confirmation that you're doing something good or that you're going along with something that shows progress. Questions, unfortunately, usually are associated with self-doubt, criticism, and you know, just, just overall, you know, wondering if someone's capable. So as human beings, when we're struggling as an individual, everyone has heard the saying, you are your own worst critic. Well, let's say you have a day all by yourself. You're not interacting with too many people, but it's a day where you don't like yourself. You're really focusing on all the mistakes you've made. Maybe something happened where you, you made another mistake and then you started going through and you know doing an inventory of all the mistakes you've made in your life. Well, that is going to take you to a place where you're not feeling good and you're not feeling worthwhile. Now imagine you finally are around other people and the first thing someone says to you and says, are you okay? What's wrong? What have you been doing all day? Let's say you were supposed to be doing a lot that day, but you just couldn't handle the stress of work or whatever it is. Now you have your own self questioning you. Or you were trying to you. be creative and things didn't go well. <laughs> or you're trying to be creative and things didn't go well. And now, not only do you have to deal with that you wasted time, that you feel like a failure, now you have to answer to other people and explain to them by responding and answering another question to them. You've already had plenty of questions. You can't come up with good answers inside your mind, wondering what people are going to think, and now you got to actually report to someone. Usually that's so exhausting just in your own mind, but then the thought of having to actually show up and tell someone your struggles. Um, my wife always tells me, it's like, hey, when you're having a hard day, why don't you come home and talk about it? Because I'm trying to forget about it. I'm not trying to think about it. Now, she's got a point because I need to come back around and talk about it at some point. But then I go, oh, you know, she doesn't want to be bothered with all my stuff. I do intense stuff all day long. Point is, we do need to talk and get things out and we need people to help us get them out. But if people are questioning us when we've been questioning ourselves all day long, it's a bad combination. So if you're the person trying to start a conversation, in this case, the parent, you want to be mindful that you want to start out with statements, not because your kid doesn't want to talk to you, not because if you ask them a question, they won't talk to you. It's because if you ask them a question on a day where they're questioning themselves and that conversation does not go the way you want it to go, it can have catastrophic repercussions. A fight can ensue. You can take it personal that you're doing all these amazing things for your kid and all they're doing is mooching off of you and giving you disrespect in return. It can be really easy to get your feelings hurt. So I tell people, start off with statements, just as like a temperature gauge. Now, this is like a massive shift in every thought process that I'd ever had. And I remember when David told me this, I was like, 
I cannot even think of a statement that I would even start a conversation with. It was like the most ridiculous thing that he had <laughs> tried to propose. And, and so I would, I would sit there for like five minutes in, in my head trying to formulate a statement to start a conversation with, with anybody trying to practice this and it, and it is hard. So just so you know, if, as you're listening and you're taking this on board, I want you to know that this is hard and it requires thinking and a little bit of pl pre-planning. Um, but once you figure it out and, and actually kind of had a light bulb moment at the event, um, probably like only the hundredth time <laughs> I've heard David kind of give the spiel about it. You know, maybe not that many. But the thing that you said this time that I heard, whether or not you've repeated or not, he kind of said, use a statement to get on the same page as that person. And so, you know, I was kind of thinking, okay, starting a conversation is usually like, how was your day? And I'm like, okay, well, that's out. I can't even ask someone how their day is. This, you know, and so then I'm just like sitting there like, oh, I'm really afraid to, to say anything because I don't want to say the wrong thing. And, you know, I think that if you're a parent out there with a jumpy, defensive, frustrated kid, then um, I definitely think that, you know what I mean, where you just, you just don't want to upset anybody. You, you're walking on eggshells, right? So... I think the example that you used, which, which kind of helped me a lot this last time, was, you know, all my kids struggle with math. And so it's a hot topic, grade, from grade standpoint, to homework, to just overall, I think we all cumulatively feel like crap about math. And... Um, so anytime we start talking about math, it can go south. Just an example. So if my daughter is sitting there, she's talking, she's, maybe she's getting out math or she's doing math, I can say something like, oh man, working on math. So that's a statement. Sort of. It's kind of like a half-see statement. But okay, or you know, don't tell me we got math. Don't tell me it's time for math or something like that where you're kind of getting right on the same page with them. You know that they don't like math. You know that this is like, it, you know, it, it's going to be rough. Get right in there and make a statement that's like, you know, this is, this is rough. And then they'll say something like, yeah, it sucks. You know, and you're like, yeah, I know. Don't they know that we all have calculators? Like, what's the point? And... And maybe there's a little banter right there. You see the difference between if you came in and said, so how'd you do on your quiz today? Which in our case, would <laughs> it would never be great, awesome, so good. You know, it's usually dicey. Um, so I think that that was one of the things where I didn't, I didn't, it's almost like stating the obvious to, to make a, conversation happen not necessarily coming in with a question and, and as humans we we do we use questions and 
I can be asking a very simple question like, you know, and I think I've mentioned this before, but Connor, who um, is 10, has a lot of anxiety and depression and issues associated with school. And we learned not too long ago, um, just a little over a year ago, that he has a couple serious processing disorders that have affected his learning and his self-esteem to a very, very high degree of functionality. And so we're working through that. If I ask him when he gets in the car, how was your day? It's immediately, immediately he's either like, eh, sucked, horrible. You know, he, it's not ever going to be a good conversation. Um, my go-to used to be, tell me about your day, which gave him an opportunity to kind of tell me his favorite parts rather than maybe how was your day, meaning did you behave, you know. He has no idea what your intentions are. He's like, why would you hear? Right. Did you get an email? <laughs> yeah, what happened? Um, and today, you know, I was even, I even pushed the envelope just a little bit. And I said something like, so another crappy day at school? And he was like, it wasn't that bad. And I was like, what? It wasn't that bad? You know, and, and so immediately, like, I think he was even surprised that I wasn't question, questioning him um, about his day. So, so I think if, as you think about this and you do think about, you know, as you're asking a kid a question, you know, did you clean your room? Did you put away your clean clothes? Did you pick up your bike? Did you pick up your shoes? All those things are, you know, they don't have a fighting chance. <laughs> um, so getting on that same level. And then, and then David would explain, and you haven't really gotten to this, but once you are kind of on the same level and you're kind of maybe there's a little banter, you can feel that tensions have come down. Then you can ask a question. And, you know, for me that might be, did, so have you, ha, have you had a chance to chat with your teacher about the situation? You know, what did your teacher say? And you can ask that after you've kind of like cut through the, broken the ice or, you know, whatever, brought the stress down. And now you're just having a conversation. It's not an interrogation. Well, I, I've never explained this to you, but I'm glad you picked up on that. So using a statement to get on the same page, um, you know me, I'm about to say something that rhymes. Here well, we go. Everybody get ready to write this down. <laughs> it's my favorite. Um, when you relate, it kills the hate. Okay. So here's, here's how this works. So go back to our shame episodes. If you haven't listened to it, press pause and then come back and pick this episode up where we're leaving off right now. If you relate, it kills the hate. So everyone battles with shame about, to some degree, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, I'm not that, right? So everybody knows of the saying, you are your own worst critic. And I talk about this all the time. Well, if you are your own worst critic, then the opposite would also have to be true. You're also capable of being your own best friend, your own best counselor, Does your that, own best that coach. That has to be true? Because I don't way. know if I feel like that about myself. Put it myself. this way. <laughs> if you are capable of being your own worst critic. When people say they are their own worst critic, they're not their own worst critic all day, every day, 24 hours a day, 365 days, except on leap year. 
this is when you are going down the rabbit hole of self-loathing and you're feeling a lot of shame, you are very critical, therefore you're not your best friend, therefore you have a lot of anger, a lot of frustrating feelings. Maybe you don't realize this towards yourself, you start putting it towards other situations, but when we talk about shame or it hides in the darkness, right? The only thing that can overpower shame is connection. That's why when I said when you relate, it kills the hate, even for yourself. So how these statements usher in the opportunity for shame to be replaced is because there's only one more, there's only one thing that's even a greater powerful, it's even a greater power than shame. It's the opposite of shame. It's the light. It's connection. It's bonding. So when um, this research was done by Brene Brown back in the day, she realized that you have to be vulnerable to usher in the opportunity to let go of the shame, to purge the shame, right? If you're vulnerable, it brings light to your situation and light and shame, they don't work well together. So all your insecurities run and hide for the corners and then you can own your stuff. You could be like, yeah, I screwed up. I made a mistake. But what the statements does is it's actually another level precursor to you being vulnerable. It helps you be vulnerable. Because if you're on the same page with someone, they're so likely to open up and have a conversation with you. Case in point, I was at PetSmart the other day buying some food for my dog. We're in Salt Lake City, Utah, and there's two people that didn't know each other wearing Pittsburgh Steeler jerseys. Do you think they started up a conversation? Oh, yeah. Those Steelers fans. Oh, they're hardcore. Here's how it started out. I'm just a fly on the wall, right? So the one walks up and notices the one with a Steeler jersey on. The one person had their back towards the other person. The other person noticed, and you could tell they're like, how do I get closer? And like, they put their dog, they intentionally moseyed over to this other person, looked at them and said, what do you think about the new contract you know, with Le'Veon Bell? And, you know, and the guy looked at this lady and she goes, I tell you what, if they don't, and it was like they had a conversation that they just picked up from and just started talking. As soon Strangers? As, strangers. Talking in public? In public. So think about this for a second. If just a similarity, a visual thing you wear, an article of clothing that says we are part of the same thing, we can relate, we don't have to hide. Instantly we can have conversation. So on a very, 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 very deep level, when you're a parent and you have all this information on your kids because you've cleaned their poopy diapers, you see them when they're four years old try to lie and they still lie the same way as a 13 year old, but they think they're smooth even though they're not, and you have all this information and you want to let them know that you're catching them and you're able to see through all the stuff and you're telling them, I'm going to pull you out of your shadows and I'm going to make you identify this because that's what's good for you. You're not relating to them. Because you're not connected true. with them. You're not what, on the same page. Right. What you, what you want to do as a parent is you want to sort of pepper them with questions so they'll admit. Submit. So that somehow they're They will submit. Sub not okay. even admit. They have to submit to your authority and your power because that's what your pappy did and his mammy and his pappy and his mammy for generations and generations and generations. That like a that's Samoan a hillbilly mammy, or... pappy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm being sarcastic, obviously. <laughs> yes, ex exactly. And, and so I think then at that point, I think that we want our kids to say out loud, you are right, mom. I should have cleaned up my room and then I would have been able to find my socks. You're so right. Great job. 
great job on knowing how to do life. Like, Mom, you're really good at pointing out my flaws, but you're not really good at connecting with me, so therefore I'm going to keep this information myself. And like I said, shame wants to hide in the darkness. If you question someone, you're giving them a reason to stay in the dark. But if you're getting on the same page with them, like, you know, a bad day at school, right? Um, this one mom, she is real. I, I'm going to beat up the details so if she hears this. It was a lot more creative when she did it. Her son was having bad days, you know, troubles with kids at school. You know, his he was actually really good at math. He was on the autistic spectrum. So his was more social and, you know, behavioral type stuff that he was having problems with at school. So we came up with some different types of statements because statements aren't just things you say. They're, they're ways that you behave and they're how you conduct yourself around your kid. So he got in the car and he, she said, I got an idea. He loved Capri Suns, right? Like after he'd get home, they'd always be like, hey, mom, I'm going to Capri Sun, have this drink, whatever. And she said, uh, you know, is it a Capri Sunday or is it a McDonald's day? McDonald's was always their thing when he was really shutting down and really having a bad day. She'd say, you know what? I'm not rewarding you for having a bad day. I'm taking you to McDonald's so you can see that you can have a bad day and you can still have fun. So Smart, smart lady. I like it. So what we did was a Capri Sun, he liked it. He's refreshing. But if he had a good day, there's no reason to like see the other side of the coin. He could just keep going. So he got in the car and she looked at him. She said, Capri Sun or McDonald's? And he looked at her, thought about it. He goes, I don't know. She's like, well, just let me know. Hers was, it was a question of types, but she had already established him with him. The connection. The connection. So it was like this kind of secret language. Exactly. So I wanted to give this example because... A lot of times the one criticism I have from people is like you're saying statement, 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 statements, but like when can I ask questions? When do I know how to ask questions? Well, she had already established with him inside of her counseling that, you know, like he came up with this idea, right? And that was the missing part. We decided this in counseling. He's like, you know, you know, in those days when I come home and I'm a good day, I'm like, just give me a Capri Sun. She's like, yeah, whenever you have a good day, you just want your drink and you go right and start doing your thing. He's like, whenever I come home and you got calls and this and that, I've been having such a bad day, you'd take me to McDonald's. It was actually his idea. He's like, I just, I just kind of wish that like, if I was having a bad day, like I know that like I can still have fun even though I had a bad day. And so she goes, how about we do this? When we get in the car, I'll just say Capri Sun or McDonald's. So he doesn't have to talk about his day, but it's their own little special language. And then if he didn't want to answer right then, she goes, just let me know whichever one you think. And wouldn't even ask me questions or anything on the way home, just drive home. She had to let him be alone with that every single time he would come back and say, I was going to say McDonald's. Oh, it's Capri Sun. Hmm. And then he'd have the Capri Sun Kinda and walk away. Kind of gave him away. some space. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes her reaction would create it to be a McDonald's. Yeah. And so <laughs> they just, they just, they just created their own rhythm, but they had to establish, this was her initiating some really good, strong statements saying, listen, I want to help you when you come home. Here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. You need to give me some better information because otherwise I'm going to keep on pissing you off. And he thought about it. But she was making statements, so he didn't think that he was being questioned. Came up with the idea. We acted it outside. So we're in the day-to-day -day life. 
So again, that's just an example of if you're on the same page, they see you as an ally, not an enemy. It's all about perception. If your child sees that you're a person that can be a resource to help them decompress and get done with a tough day, hence not asking them a bunch of intrusive questions, then they're going to come to their ally and their resource and they're going to see what else you can give them. Could be random conversations that are started, but you have to give them their time to get to where they're at. You're 30, 40 years old, 50 years old when you're listening to this. You've had a whole entire lifetime to figure what you didn't know and then you want to share it with your kids and they need to know it now. It's completely ridiculous. There's no possible way that they're going to have the coping mechanisms just because you're scared they're not going to have coping mechanisms. It's like, you better have these coping mechanisms faster because I can't handle watching you go through distress. That's our own selfish, self-centered desires. But the truth is you can't teach them coping mechanisms or coping strategies until they need them. Well, you can teach them every day by doing it yourself. Well... But, but you're, you're right, like there has to be a problem that comes up. So for example, um, if you want to hear about Heidi's problem that came up last night, um, we're, we're gonna, uh, how would you find if we finish these thoughts and we just do, we just stop recording and we do another, uh, an, another one to, to talk specifically about that? Okay. Okay. I think that works. Um, and the reason why I want to wrap up this one is because I'm about to go off on a little bit of a rant for a second. Oh, okay. Okay. That's <laughs> why, love, yeah. I love the Dave rants. Here we go. Buckle up. Um, you know, the, the event the other night, it gave me a reminder of something too. So you said it puts, you know, by the way, little, little, in case you weren't at the event, little, um, little reminder if you were there, but also some information so you understand what we're talking about. Starting off any relationship that someone could possibly be going through a difficult time, a rough day, if they've been showing patterns of this. Um, it could be your spouse, it could be your kids, people at work. It's always safer to start with statements. And a statement could be something basic and simple. It's like, hey, looks like you might have had a rough day. Um, just want to let you know. Uh, if you want to talk to me about it, I'd be happy to listen. If not, I don't blame you. Sometimes I don't want to talk either. Just want to let you know I got your back. And then you mic drop and you walk away. The reason why you do that is because people operate a lot better when they have a couple choices versus when they feel like they're backed up against the wall and they have to respond. And also someone may be venting and frustrating, angry, and you're like, what's going on? They're like, oh, I'm so mad. Sometimes you can get lucky and they just start talking. But the risk you run is that if you ask a question at a time when not ready to talk, now you get clumped up as part of the people who are causing distress versus someone trying to relieve it. And when you're trying to relieve someone's distress and you're just trying to show them that they care and their facial expressions, their body language is rejection and they don't want anything to do with you, it can be hurtful at times. Mm -hmm. Or if we're too prideful to ever say we get our feelings hurt, we can just go straight to anger and being upset with them. So that's why we say start off with statements. Sometimes a statement can be just what you do. Just walk up to them and say, listen, been thinking about you today. Just want to let you know. Love you, man. Or love you, sweetheart. Love you. And then walk away. So your statement doesn't have to be directly to what you're fearful or worried about what they're going through. It could just be a little mic drop. Hey, just want to let you know. I think you're pretty dang cool. Walk away. 
And so maybe don't you don't go in with like these eyes like, I have an agenda, and I'm trying to manipulate you. Well, so playing play it cool is one of the hardest in. things to do. It, well, amen, hallelujah. Playing it cool when you're not cool is really hard to do. If you're a parent that your emotional distress is high, maybe you're a parent that is admittedly on a high level all the time. Any fear that could come, anything can come to your kids is only going to put you on DEFCON 5. So that's your issue. That's the thing that you have to make sure that when you're in front of your kids, your loved ones, that you put that in the closet, in the trunk, and you don't walk out with that. So when you're ready to walk out without any of that fear and anxiety, you can play it cool. And when you're ready to play it cool, you can say things, might drop, and walk away. Because is there anything more cooler than someone performing a song, dropping the mic, and be like, what, and walking away? And it was, the crowd screamed. It's like the walk away, just like in baseball, walk off home run. Boom, the guy cracks it and just looks at it, and he just starts walking. He doesn't even run to the bases. Right in MMA, it's like someone punches someone and punches them and just walks away because they know the fight's over. It's like the person's not getting up from that. It is the coolest statement that you can make. And parents, everyone listening to this, if you have teenagers, you always want to be cool, but you can't try and be cool because they'll smell it out. They'll sniff it out. BS meter. They'll be, their BS meter will go up. <laughs> so here's what I want you to do. Practice your statements. And by the way, your statements could be just you know doing small little gestures for them. You know, just little things, acting, you know, acting in a way that um, they can be dependable, like you can be dependable to them. Um, be an oak tree, be the person that when difficult things happen, you know, you're trying to figure out new ways to handle it. So you can make statements in your personal behavior, with your own personal lives. Um, you can tell them when you've made mistakes. You say, hey, you know what? I made a big mistake. I screwed up. And, um, and you know, I'm sorry. That's a huge statement. It's a very huge statement. It has nothing to do with their behavior, but they are watching and they're paying close attention. So that was just kind of my, it wasn't too bad of a rant, but that was just my little rant to kind of give you guys a little bit of information as far as what we're talking about here. And I think, can I just, I just want to add one more thing. When you can tell that your kid is upset, i.e. walk in, flings the backpack across the room, you know, head straight down to their room, door slam, there's obviously like something going on and I think that it's okay to pick up on those cues. Like it's an elephant, right? The, something that has happened. So if you go, like, I would normally go be there. Well, what's going on? Why are you throwing your backpack? What is happening? You don't need to be slamming the doors and this in my house. You know, what is happening? You don't, you, you know, you get, you get up here and you pick this stuff up, you know, whatever. Maybe, now I would probably say something like, you know, give it a minute, walk downstairs, knock, knock. So I can tell something's wrong. I'll be upstairs if you want to talk. And then actually walk away. Don't give a lecture. Don't give it, you know, and, and then I think that after they come up, somebody hit me in the parking lot, you know, I got my 20 bucks stolen, whatever it is, then you can say, and P.S. After, after like, there's, you've connected, you've talked, go pick up your backpack. You know, and, and 
what a difference it makes to not have it be in this stinging, let me, let me pile some bricks on your already volatile situation. But let's not ignore the situation either. Yeah. So why don't we do this? Instead of just doing a separate episode, why don't you give us an example how you put that into motion last night? Okay. Because so, so just a few minutes ago, so I'm like, oh, let's on. put that second episode. But you just did such a perfect, like, you're so on point of, like, how to do that. But from what you've told me, you actually did it last night, but in a very unique, specific scenario and situation. So I'm going to be cautious when I talk about this, and, and I'm going to also try to get to the point. Um, we're doing something called Family Home Evening, and... It's a church thing, you know, in, in the LDS church that I'm, I'm a part of, they, you know, on Monday nights you can have a little lesson of the family. And we just had a great dinner. And, and I just wanted to get my kids talking. And so it wasn't, it wasn't even like a formal lesson. We were just chatting. But, you know, age differences and kids and not paying attention and making comments that, that weren't pertinent, whatever. You know, one kid got annoyed with the other kid and said something rude and next thing you know um connor who's kind of the baby he's very sensitive gets up and he's like i'm gonna excuse my you know i'm i'm gonna take that as an invitation to leave so he he bells and um i kind of did this you know looking at his sister you go apologize you know which she then tried to do, but it didn't go well. It didn't, he, he, he wasn't interested. In so I gave a few more minutes and I went down there, knocked on the door. You know, I want to talk to you. No. I said, yeah, yeah I want to talk to you. And he did let me in. Um, and I said, tell me, tell me what's bothering you. Which I know is kind of a statement, but not really. It's, but it's my hybrid because I'm not very creative with it. (laughs) Um, And he's like, what? You know, and I said, well, you got really mad up there and nobody was trying to upset you, you know. And so I was kind of like, I was not defending and I was not accusing. Um, And I said, I can tell you're really upset. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about it? And he kind of takes this deep breath. And, you know, things right now are, are a little, Connor's struggling right now. Um, he's, he hates going to school more than I've experienced. And so I'm, kind of in new territory it's it's a given we know that he's struggling he's having some accommodations made but the accommodations are not like we're at a place right now where he just feels unsuccessful and he hates it um and his and and we're in full-blown anger it's not crying sad it's anger and um, he is trying to blame it on other people. He's not really taking responsibility, which 
I don't know that I really totally expect him to. Um, so anyway, re so rewind. He's, I said to him, you know, is there anything you want to talk about? Is there anything you want to tell me? Because I'm here to listen. I'm here for you. And, and I did say, I'm on your team. I want, I want to help you. Um, and he goes, you know, can I tell you something? And I said, of course. And he says, you promise you won't tell anyone. And I kind of did the, well, I mean. <laughs> You're like, yeah, maybe, sure. Uh, um, and he, he went on to say, I hate my, my life here on earth. And I don't want to be here anymore. And he's 10. And the old Heidi would like go into a full-blown hat. You cannot talk like that. No, we do not talk like that. We do not talk like that. You do not say that. You're fine. You're fine. You're great. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to work through this. And, and I would, like just hearing that is so upsetting to me. And then, of course, you know, the thoughts just start going a thousand miles an hour in my head. And, um, and I'm thinking to myself, what, you know, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't, I can't believe this. I can't believe he's saying this. And, uh, and I, I looked at him. And, and I just kind of, I just kind of gave him that moment. I didn't freak out. I just looked at him, not with a mad look, with a concerned look. And then he started crying and he said, I just miss Corey so much. And, um, and I said, come here. And he came over and he sat by me and I could, Kind of put my arms around him and I said, thank you for telling me that secret. And he looked up at me and he just said, you know, I wish Corey was here. And I said, you know, I do too. And I miss him too. And I would love to be able to put my arms around him too. And then I said, but I need you, buddy. And we're gonna, we gotta work through this together. And I wanna help you. Um, and it was, what was amazing about the situation, I mean, he has, he has talked like that before. It's not the first time. I never handled it calmly. I always kind of went into the, I don't say that, y you know, 
everybody loves you. Why would you think that way? Right. Um, but what happened was it was kind of like letting the pressure out of, like, I don't want to say popping the, a balloon or something like that because it didn't, it was his tension and his anxiety and his anger and his upset was so intense and he and when he stated what he was feeling and I said thank you and and I want to see Corey too like all the tension just it just came down and I think what what we talk about shining light letting light shine on that thought that he is having and obviously in our home we talk about that it's it's a real thing in our home it's not just something that you hear of somewhere it's and and it's it's a concern because he loves love Corey so much and idolize Corey so much and he's worried about where he is he wants to you know, whatever. So, but what we talk about here, this letting him say it and letting me not freak out. And thanking him for saying it, it, not keeping it in. It shined the light on a really awful thought that he was living with. And I didn't want to hear it. I did not want to hear that. But it put you guys, and I know you didn't want to hear it, but it put you guys on the same page like we're, we're talking about because you can't tell me when he's sitting here that I hate this, I hate that, I don't want to I don't want to be on this earth anymore. You can't tell me you've never had that thought. No, but, I can't. I you know can't. what I mean? Like at that moment, like, yeah, you guys are on the same page. And at that moment, you could have taken the, you know, why would you think that everybody loves you? Or you could have taken the approach it did. Thank you. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you're... you're Everything you were saying was telling him, we're, I'm not understanding you. I'm on the same page as you. We're right there together. And it diffused it. And, and you then, could feel it. And then, you know, we went upstairs and ate ice cream. Like, it, it didn't turn into, like, a long discussion. It just was like, boom, light. I love you. We're going we're gonna to work through this. I'm never giving up on you. You don't give up on me. All right. You want some ice cream? Great. And, and he's only 10. Yeah. And so it doesn't have like all the complexities the layers, that, I think that, yeah. can, that can get involved with. It um, can be an ice cream moment. It can just be ice cream after that. Right. Well, what better way to rebound from something like that? You have this high pressure. I can't share it. Okay, then maybe I could. My mom seems pretty genuine that she's here. Your statement was just your presence, your countenance. You're just standing there with authority, but also a desire to actually be a teammate of his. And then he's okay, maybe I could. All right, you promise? And you're like, yeah, I promise. And then he says it, and then you say, thank you. All those steps had to be taken, and then he had to get the confirmation, okay, she really is on my team. Because you can be his mother, and you can also remind him of how less than he feels 
no, how inadequate you, he feels. Let me tell you what happened after the ice cream yeah. and after I went to bed. <laughs> okay. Freak out. Oh, yeah. You can freak out then, yeah. You know, me. I got to get a hold of this. I got to talk to the principal. I got to, you know, should we move schools? Do we need to homeschool him? I got to talk to his tutor. We got to get him back into the neurosuck. I mean, and all day today, I've been worrying and thinking, what can I do? And But he didn't need that, though, last night. No, right? no. You save that for the action to-do list part of you as the loving, caring parent. But at that particular moment, you had to respond, and now you're going out to initiate some sort of change. So I'm telling you, I feel so much better that I have. I mean, granted, I don't, I don't like this situation, but it's part of our package. And I'm, I'm thankful that I've learned this stuff. And, and so I didn't have to ask him to move out. <laughs> you didn't have to ask him. About that. You're like, well, you're shaming us because everyone in our family is supposed to be happy. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, th thanks for sharing that, Heidi. Because before we were talking, I wanted to share that, and I think the reason why I want to wait, go away from it, because I'm like, okay, that can be a whole nother discussion. But I'm glad we just stuck with it because it was just flowing with the natural course of our conversation. And you know, for any not for anyone, but for everyone listening to this. Um, you know, yeah, that's a very real thing. It's an extreme situation with suicide in your family and a 10-year-old son, you know, feeling suicidal. But the reality of it is, is maybe in someone else's family it's not suicide, but maybe it's something that to them is such a painful secret that other people can't accept or hold on to. It could lead to thoughts of suicide or feelings of suicide. And I've counseled plenty of young people that have, you know, you know, you know, in the LD, LGBTQ community, I can never talk to my parents about this. Other kids, like I made this mistake, I can never admit this, I can never admit that. But even though they're saying they can't talk about it, they can't admit it, they're looking for a person that they possibly perhaps maybe could talk to about it. They're looking to see if they could spot someone who could be the recipient, understand, relate, and help them get through this. So thanks for being that person for a lot of parents out there, Heidi. And, um, and thanks for being so fresh just to, just to weigh in all this because, you know, it's your life in real time. And also, there's a lot of other people out there. Meltdowns at home. Okay, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're not LDS, scheduling family home evening is 50% chance you're scheduling a meltdown for one of your multiple oh, kids. Oh, it's like 98%. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't even try the 50% thing. Golly. It's like going to church when you have an infant. It's like you just get dressed up to like change diapers all day long. Right? <laughs> or if you have a toddler, you just get dressed up to chase a kid around the building, right? It's, it is. It's rough. Well, thanks everybody for listening in and uh, tune in for our next episode. As promised, we're going to be doing a a lot of these episodes, but I did want to give a little plug. Um, we mentioned this at our um, at our event. We said this in the very beginning. ElevatePodcasting.com or you can go to Heidi Swap and DM message her. Um, and you can go to DavidCause underscore on Instagram and DM message me. Or like I said, just ElevatePodcasting.com. Leave a message. If you have a question um, of anything that you would like us to comment on, a topic, or something that you like, hey, I need to a specific statement to say to a loved one right now. Um, we'd be happy to field some of those and answer some of those as part of our episode. So like I said, uh, give us some questions, give us some ideas, give us some thoughts. 
And uh, also, too, if you want us to change anything, you think we should add something, we're open to suggestions as long as you put in a statement form. <laughs> and say, why the hell did you talk about that for an hour, right? <laughs> that would make us feel pretty insecure and shameful. So. <laughs> please don't activate our shame. We're, yeah, already, please, yeah. we're already like feeling lots of good shame already. <laughs> yeah, we already have plenty of practice with that on a daily basis. <laughs> All right, well, until next time, guys, 